She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Securing our border is a responsibility we all know and share. It's an oath we take to protect and defend the American people, and that's one place. Not, not just the southern border, but all of our borders. Those workers are furloughed. So the downside is that we're not able to get to work as much as we want to in the beginning, but the bright side is that it gives us a lot more free time to make trouble. Michael Cohen was interviewed for 70 hours. I mean, in 70 hours' time, he could have said anything uh, because he was trying to please the, 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 the investigators. Right. You know, he was desperately trying to avoid jail. They've been pushing this nonsense for two years. They've found nothing, but anytime there's a negative, anytime there's a chance to get Trump, they're gonna jump on it. And now, Stacey Washington. Oh yeah, we're back with hour two of the show. If you're just tuning in, oh, buckle up, you're in for a fantastic ride. We are talking about the poor MAGA hat wearing Covington teens and how they're being railroaded and their families are really just, uh, you know, I, I won't say they're being destroyed. Their families, and if I have said that, let, let me correct. I don't believe their families are being destroyed, but it is an attempt to materially impact the way these boys live and to punish them for having the wrong views. Because you see, the important animals can't allow the, the sheep and the ones who follow to ever think that they have a right to disagree with the prevailing mantra. And public schools today, I mean, it's so bad that, I mentioned this on the show, but I, I don't know, you know how it is where you can have someone say something to you and you get offended about it like a week later? Like you think about it and you're like, wait a minute, did you, what did you, and that's how I feel right now about my neighbor saying, she, you know, she wanted to confront me about my support of a school board candidate uh, when my neighbor supports abortion. <laughs> so, I mean, when it, when I, when I think about the way that liberals have actually made it the default position that if you disagree with them, there's something materially wrong with you. You are immoral. You are someone who needs to be destroyed. And so these boys and their families are not going to be destroyed. They're, they're experiencing something bordering on persecution. And I want to be careful to even use that term because persecution is going on right now in China where they're literally turning the pulpit of churches into game rooms. They're taking the pulpit out. Anywhere there's a Christian church in China, they're actually putting in arcades and gaming facilities and, and Xboxes and stuff to try to get people to, instead of listening to a preacher talk about Jesus Christ and the word of God and read scripture, they're confiscating Bibles, they're taking down crosses, they're, they're imprisoning people. Communism cannot stand in the face of a holy, loving God who's intimately interested in everything that goes on with you, who literally says in his word, thousands of times that he wants to help you, that he's here for you, that he wants to be your source, that he wants a relationship with you. You're not going to want communism if you get some of that. You, you get a little pink, a finger or a pinky or a toe on the robe of, of the one who made it all. And you are going to be so radically changed and so, so liberty minded. Notice I didn't say freedom, liberty minded, where you literally, you, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Once your mind is free and your soul has been unshackled and you've been set free from the power of sin and death and you understand to whom you belong, communism is going to be a very dirty, crunchy, smelly old rag. And you're not going to want any of that. And that's why the communists are putting arcades in the pulpit. Put, just take the pulpit out, 
put a bunch of gaming systems there, get some screens in there, get these people hooked on some, you know, maybe smashing uh, little pieces of fruit or or crystals or whatever that, you know, the game is of du jour crossword puzzles, you know, online, whatever, whatever game they can get you involved in to numb you up and disconnect you from that power source. Because once you're plugged into that, you are no longer willing to be told what you can think and what you can eat and even whether or not you're allowed to travel out of your own country. They're in trouble. When Jesus Christ is unleashed and revival starts to gallop on, up on these towns and cities and these people start to fall down under the power of the Lord, oh, you're not going to see those people loving communism anymore. They're not going to want to worship some chairman in a far off land in their country. So it, it makes sense. It makes sense that they would try to do that. But I don't want to, I don't want to compare what's happening here in our country. The worst of it is, is nothing. It pales in comparison to what people who practice Christianity and are true believers of the faith are experiencing around the globe. But it is a nightmare to have your kid go to a pro-life event wearing a hat and just enjoying himself with a bunch of friends and uh, I, I need to correct. I said that they were just minding their own business. There was actually an interaction with a group of black students who call themselves black Hebrews who believe that they're the true Hebrew nation, that Jewish people are not actually the chosen people of God, that it's black people. And they were kind of going back and forth and taunting. The, the Hebrew kids were taunting the MAGA hat kids and they were responding a little bit. And it was like a little bit of mixing up going on, but it wasn't violent. And that's when the drum guy comes in and starts attacking the MAGA hat wearing kids. In any case, they're not guilty of what they were accused of, which is blatant racism. That's not what happened unless smiling is racist. And I had a friend, um, Red River Chronicles own Janelle Keter bats. She was actually on Facebook yesterday. She posted, um, uh, posting a notification that I'm safe from the smiles of white people. Now she's, she happens to be black. And it was sarcasm, meaning white people had smiled at her the way the MAGA hat kids had smiled at the other kids and she survived. And it was so funny, but there were even people who read that and said, well, you know, here's another one, report her, let's make her famous. She's actually a, a Christian conservative and a fantastic, her, her redemption story is just, it, it's the power of God. When you hear how God brings people out and he sets them on another path. And if you look at her life with her husband and her kids, it's just, it's fantastic. Uh, and they run Red River Chronicles. I think it's Red River Chronicles uh, TV, TV or something like that. But um, she's so cute. She's the best Instagram account. Uh, you know, she, she does uh, Rent the Runway or something like that. She shows this cute clothes and really cute pictures of their home and stuff and their kids. And, you know, I have... I just want to know how a smile hurts you. You know how a smile hurts you? You know how you get triggered and you get the curse words knocked out of you? Because uh, the person that you're ranting at and raving and screaming at is smiling at you because they don't care what you say. They're firm in their beliefs and you are having no impact on them. I mean, it could really enrage people. Just try it. If someone's angry with you, if you smirk or smile, you will send that person over the over the edge. They, they will lose their stuffing. If I mean, if they're easily triggered because... What I what I find interesting is if someone's disagreeing with you, I mean, they could have a nugget of truth or they could have a very, very specific reason they believe what they believe. And while you may still disagree with them on the issue, hearing the reason why they disagree with you might give you more insight into where they're coming from. And that perspective might help you to further either entrench and, and understand your own belief in what you're talking about, whatever the discussion is. 
or it might cause you to think, you know, this is a, a much more nuanced and complex issue than I'd originally thought. I'm not moving from where I am. I still believe what I believe, but I definitely feel like I have some understanding here that I didn't have before. Um, and so speaking of understanding and being immovable and also not getting anywhere, uh, Pro Vice President Pence actually was slamming Democratic leadership for their refusal to negotiate on wall funding and securing the border, even while they give lip service to it on television every day. It's number five. It was disappointing to see Speaker Pelosi reject uh, the offer before the president gave his speech. I mean, look, the, uh, the president is offering a solution. And what we have from Democrat leadership so far is just sound bites. And it's true. We're talking about just literally them saying, look, I'm I'm going to spend my time um, going on television and getting all the, the media I can get on this, but I'm not going to spend my time doing anything that would proactively assist in the effort to get the government back open. Um, I haven't seen the president make any announcements from the White House or the from the White House press corps about furloughing the workers because now we're over the 30-day point where the people would naturally be furloughed, rift, if you will, and I haven't seen that yet. So uh, it's, a, it's an interesting time for us. Um, and speaking of the shutdown, you've got this representative, she's a Democrat, Representative Dingell, she was on with Maria Bartiromo and just literally got ripped to shreds over whether or not the border wall should be torn down since Nancy Pelosi says it's immoral. And, I, and just as a caveat, can you imagine the hardcore liberals in San Francisco with their custom lattes and their Priuses and, and you know, wearing their $1,000 yoga pants being told that because walls are immoral, which they probably agree with that statement, that they're going to tear down the wall between Tijuana and San Diego. Can you imagine what those liberals would do? I can. We saw it a number of times when school choice initiatives were implemented and poor kids of all backgrounds were going to be moved into these AAA-rated little boroughs where rich liberals had cordoned themselves off into these really tiny, boutique, AAA-rated public schools. You had to live within a certain block radius in order for your child to go there. And what other liberals wanted to do was rotate the eligibility. So you might live within that tony little area and have a fantastic walk up there in, in Manhattan or in, in New York proper. But your child might actually have to take a little bit longer of a ride to go to a school outside of your tiny little block area to go to a school that was less advantaged. Now, who cares if you worked for years and years and years and saved up every penny you ever had and also got a loan from your parents to get a walk up in that neighborhood so your kid could go to that school? They're saying that they want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to go to one of these fancy schools, not taking into consideration that the reason the school is so fancy, sure, some of it's funding, but most of it is because of the parental involvement and how much the parents, parents spend time. When you know your kid's going to one of those school districts, you're going to make sure your kid shows up on day one of kindergarten knowing that if you write the word always, you're probably going to have a comma after it. N comma placement for kindergartners. I've seen it myself. So this, this is not something I'm just pulling out of the air. Parents knowing that their kids, they won't just know 20 sight words. They won't know just 30. They'll know all the content sight word wise for the entire kindergarten year. They'll walk in on the first day knowing that these kids. They have extraordinary vocabularies. A lot of them can read the board books. They're, they're past that. They're now into Dr. Zeus. 
and they're counting and they recognize numbers to 100. That's what the parents are doing to make sure their kids are ready for the first day. In the schools that are further out that aren't AAA rated, that are having all the problems with performance, the kids are showing up and they are not prepared for the first day of school. And you, so I know it's going to, well, she must be some kind of a racist. No, I'm not a racist and I haven't, and this has nothing to do with race. It has to do with whether or not parents sit their kids down in front of a television instead of actually spending time with them and teaching them. That's what it has to do with. And that is not something that is unique to women who have gone to college and stay home for a living. You work for a living and your kid is in preschool every day. But in the evening, instead of watching television while you're cooking dinner and your kid is, instead of having them on the couch in front of the boob tube, they can be at your kitchen table with their cards, recognizing numbers, adding, subtracting, using manipulatives, reading to you from a board book. That's the difference. And so if you thought those liberal chicks looked ticked off when they thought they were going to lose their Tony school district, imagine what would happen with the liberals if That was to come about down on the San Diego-Tijuana border. If they said, well, we're just going to open this back up because this wall is immoral, I bet you'd see some of them change their tune then. So here's Representative Dingell. It's a really quick hit, number four. Right now, they need more. They're not even having to even fill all the positions to keep that border, that border safe. Should that wall be torn down? Should that wall be torn down? No, I don't. I, I haven't been to visit the site. I don't know all the specifics of it. And well, let me give you some specifics. Let me, let me give you some specifics. Because I haven't visited. I'm not mm. going to say for sure, but I'm not going to say it should come down either. I'm One thing I've learned about when you are seasoned, don't comment when you don't have all the facts and don't know if you're walking yeah. into something you shouldn't say. But I'll wonder, tell you what, the next time you talk to me, I'm going to study it and yeah, have I, the I answer. just wonder. So Maria Bartiromo really put the screws to her. Like, what do you believe? Do you honestly believe that walls are immoral? And if you do, why aren't you and Nancy Pelosi working to tear down the wall between Tijuana, Mexico, and San Diego? And we know why. They already have a problem with illegal immigration down there, but it's not nearly as bad as the rest of the border where they saw 55,000-plus people entering. So 7,000-something compared to 55,000-plus. You know, there's, there's no comparison there. Obviously, that wall is working. And the idea that we can't do something to seal off the border in the areas where it's desert or, you know, the Rio Grande is just ludicrous. This is, they're talking about flying cars. You can build a flying car, you can build a drone that can smoke somebody from over here in America in a foreign land, but we can't seal the border. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's what that is. Be back with more after this. Every day in preborn centers across the country, young women in crisis find refuge. Here's Roxy, nurse director for preborn at the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Southern California. A lot of them come to us and they feel rejected, they feel alone, they're in a crisis situation, they don't know what to do, they don't know where to start. We believe that sharing the compassionate love of Jesus Christ is what really makes what we do work. Through love and compassion, Young women facing tough situations get to meet Jesus Christ and their unborn baby on ultrasound. And I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry. And it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and you'll receive a story and a picture of babies' lives that were spared. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. 
That's pound 250 and say baby. Or go to preborn.com. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Today is the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. When the Supreme Court removed most state restrictions on abortion back in 1973, who could have predicted the world we live in today? When the ruling came down, few understood the long-term implications. I remember speaking on the issue in college classrooms a few years later and wondering when the Supreme Court would reverse its decision. By the 1980s, it seemed like only a matter of time that abortion would once again be restricted in America. That did not happen. A whole generation of young people have grown up never having known a time when abortions were illegal. They may have seen some protests and may have heard some debate about the subject, but that perhaps is the sum total of their experience. Abortion has left a scar on the soul of this nation, just like the scar slavery left on America's soul in previous centuries. Unfortunately, many Americans cannot see the scar that abortion has left on this country. I see the evidence of these scars when I take phone calls from women who are exploited by abortion. I see evidence of these scars when I hear the cavalier comments of young people about human life. I see those scars when I hear people debate related issues like stem cell research and physician-assisted suicide. But I also see the healing when I see the good work of pregnancy resource centers. I understand from people working in this area that there are three times as many pregnancy resource centers in this country as there are abortion clinics. In many ways, the pro-life movement is winning the war of ideas. And I'm encouraged that so many young people, our future leaders, are pro-life and understand the importance of being pro-life. So there are some encouraging signs, even as we see the scars left by abortion. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From Sky Pass Entertainment, the least of these, the Graham Stain story, the least of these, rated PG-13, in theaters February 1st, the least of these dot movie. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Thank you so much for being here. Follow us on all of our channels. Mine are all Stacy on the Right and AFR.net and Urban Family Talk. Dot com are the websites for our wonderful ministries here at American Family Association. You can find out more at afa.net, afr.net, and all of us have the Facebook thing going on, so you can check that out too. Um, we had a great caller who said the, the scripture verse for me and my family was Psalm 4610. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So I wanted to share that really quickly since uh, we had just a few seconds left for those calls in the last hour. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome our next guest on the program. I love it when we have these, these, these are the people who tally up every minute of television and everything else for us in our lives. Scott Whitlock, associate editor for Newsbusters, where they do the, the dirty work that we don't want to do, watching all the television shows and keeping track of everything that's going on um, in our world as it pertains to media. Scott, thank you for joining us. <clears throat> Thanks for having me on. All right, so let's talk about this. Uh, you got Saturday morning and Sunday night. CNN and MSNBC spent 53 minutes and 20 seconds on the fallout from the confrontation between Covington High students in Washington for the March for Life and this Native American dude named Nathan Phillips and the black Israelites. 29 of those minutes came before anyone realized that perhaps things weren't as they appeared. Now how much time have they spent correcting themselves? Well, we haven't uh, been we haven't tallied up uh, the uh, the corrections since, but we did do kind of an analysis of the the coverage of 
who was the the worst, who was okay, and so on. We did a kind of it was called the good, the bad, and the ugly. And NBC and MSNBC were clearly the worst. On MSNBC, they were referring to they're comparing these kids to Nazis, as you can imagine. And NBC on Monday was kind of also still slow to correct the record. None of these networks, I should say, came on and said, "Hey." We were wrong. We were totally wrong in how we are covering this. What you saw is this kind of, well, it turns out that it's more complex, that sort of thing, which is a very weaselly way of saying, boy, we really botched the story the first two days. And they were really happy to get their hands on this because they thought that this particular story could kind of exonerate them from the embarrassment of having Robert Mueller, who's literally been a cone of silence, actually come down out of his ivory investigative tower and say that BuzzFeed had issued a story that was incorrect about the president. Right. I, I would say that these two stories, the Covington kids and uh, the BuzzFeed story, they're, they showcase exactly the same point, which is uh, this is the danger of wanting a story to be true so badly. This is where it takes you. It takes you down the road of you're going to be willing to believe any story because it fits the narrative that you've already decided. In the BuzzFeed case, it's, well, Trump has obviously committed impeachable offenses, and the end of this story is him is him being impeached. So they all embrace the BuzzFeed uh, story. Um, the Covington kids, it's that these teenagers who were wearing the Make America Great Again hats, and they were at a pro-life rally, and they were interacting with a Native American, so clearly, it must be that they are racist, and he was the victim. And they didn't wait for any um, full picture. They didn't uh, wait for any of this, despite the fact that we've seen again and again that uh, stories that go viral, often the initial interpretation is wrong. Mm-hmm. The mob mentality, which is something hideous. And we've had guests on uh, the show before to talk about the mob mentality and how after the story passes and the rest of us move on with our lives, the people who were involved in the story, even even people who we would agree acted in genuinely you know, offensive ways, but after we move on and we think they've moved on with their life, they're literally stuck in that moment where they can't get a job. They lose their job. They often lose their home. They try to move and they can't find anywhere in America where they can go and escape the story. One going so far, the guy who uh, screamed at the Chick-fil-A girl, uh, that remember that viral story, the mm, Chick Fil A yeah. LGBT thing was going on, and people were going there and ordering a cup of water and then doing kiss ins and you know same sex people were doing all that and it was this big backlash against Chick Fil A because it's a Christian company, and this executive pulled up and asked for a cup of water and when she gave it to him he started yelling at her and she just happened to be a teenager. The backlash from that when. It was over as a news story, continued for him. He didn't just lose his job. He and his family now live in, uh, not not Venezuela, I think Argentina. They live in Argentina, and he runs like some kind of fruit stand or something. And he says their lives are the better for it, but he never would have thought that he would no longer be able to live in America because he yelled at someone in a drive-thru. Right. I think that that really shows the, the lack of the filter and the danger of social media, especially for journalists, because these are people who in their day jobs are supposed to have editors, they're supposed to have people who are going to say, hey, you know, let's let's blow up a little bit, let's double check this. And when uh, a lot of these people on um, 
Twitter will just spout out opinions, and then it looks very badly very quickly. And and we saw that was definitely true. Some of the worst uh, reactions to this came from so-called mainstream journalists who immediately on their, their own Twitter pages, where you have no editor, uh, said that, you know, these kids were racist or said all sorts of terrible things about them or compared them to Nazis and Klansmen and, and so on. And, you know, you can take that back, I guess, in the sense that you can delete it, but it's still out there. That uh, impression that you've created of these kids is still there. And, and yeah, I think it all comes back to this mentality that has been amplified, certainly, in the Trump era, that uh, a lot of these people view themselves as um, the advocacy media that is going to stand up mm-hmm. to a president that they don't like. It's dangerous because um, I've so I've listened to a lot of people like, you know, Dr. Jordan Peterson and uh, Camille Poglio has written a lot of books and I disagree with her on a lot of things, but she has such a wealth of knowledge on what certain pathologies can do to groups of people. And that, I mean, there are a number of people who speak on this really eloquently and it is the idea that somewhere in the past 15, 20 years, not really exactly sure what pinpoint it became the, the turning point, but liberals became convinced that conservatives aren't just good people who happen to be racist or my, my friends and neighbors and people that I work with and go to church with and pump gas with who disagree with me, that conservatives, especially white people, but anyone who hews to that ideology, that they're a danger to America, that they have to be eradicated. Um, the kind of language that they're always accusing us of, but they're always saying that you know we're we're like Hitler, but that's the way Hitler talked about the Jews. He said that they were controlling people with hypnosis, controlling nations with their minds. That they were like an octopus. That the imagery is so foul and disgusting. That same kind of demagoguery is going on right now from the organized left towards conservatives, Republicans, anyone who's not on their side promoting fascism and Marxism and et cetera. And so there aren't any debates anymore. It's how do we destroy these people because, you know, because they're out to destroy us. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that is a, a real issue because we have, we are obviously in this polarized, uh, they were frankly, both sides are polarized on the left and the right, but the way the left is polarized having such power in the media, as you say, they do want to portray conservatives and Republicans as not just wrong, uh, but evil. And that's certainly been true with uh, with this president, where the Washington Post uh, decided when, when Trump was uh, became president, when he was inaugurated, that they changed their masthead um, to where it now says uh, democracy dies in darkness, meaning that they were going to hold this president accountable, which is something they didn't do really when uh, when Barack Obama was president. Right. They didn't even know what but, accountability yeah. was. They were too busy licking his boots and worshiping him. <laughs> right, yeah. And then I, I think that's, that's absolutely true, that we, we've, we've had this change where it's now conservatives are evil. I would say that I think part of it has to do with the rise of social media, alternative media, where conservatives have much more of a voice now on the radio, online, all these different Fox News, all these different avenues. And I think that is really... Uh, turn liberals not just uh, were already angry with conservatives, but is giving them a rage that they they cannot accept that conservatives have 
all these voices and places to get their opinion out that they didn't have before, pre uh, the kind of media revolution. And so I think that has really, really amplified it, that they are angry now that they see all these conservative voices that they didn't see before. Well, and also there's a bit of... Um... There's a bit of how dare you, you know what I mean? Like there's a bit of how dare you, you know, you cockroaches, how dare you? And it's also that like, I know this is a crazy comparison, but it just, it's what it puts me in the mind of uh, you. So everyone's seen the matrix, right? And everything starts after they unplug from the machine. And then they go into this, like it's a, it's reality, but it's this weird, like it's cause it's not the reality they know. And they get to choose a pill to take. And once they take that pill, there's no going back. And so it's almost like liberals are like, for, you know, who told you you could unplug? Who told you you could get amongst yourselves and talk and start websites? Who told you you could, you know, vote for right. someone like Va- Donald Trump? When we raised him up as an alternative for you, you weren't supposed to vote for him. You were supposed to stay home because he was supposed to disgust you. You're not supposed to like his ideas. And you're supposed to like our ideas. And so there's this, there's this sense of disbelief that is it's actually been amplified since 2016 because they've refused to accept the result of the election. And I, and I, you know what, Scott, I know how it feels because I felt a sense of impending doom and terror at the prospect of Barack Obama being our president, someone whose middle name was Hussein. I couldn't have been more terrified of what was going on. I literally, I told my husband, I said, we got to, we got to start praying more than we've ever prayed before because this is the first time I've ever felt like the election of the president could be so negative for us. And we did. I mean, I was, I was like, this is, this is something that has actually shaken me, that the, the fact that Americans elected this man. He doesn't love this country. And, but I, I also knew we have checks and balances. The, that's the reason why we don't have an old, you know, the, the whole uh, like uh, kings and queens and all that stuff, the monarchy. So that if you elect someone who's totally wrong for the job, you can still elect people in Congress and temper the result. And we were able to do that. We never tried to impeach him. We never tried to remove him from office. Scandal after scandal, we just sat there and took it. And here they are. They haven't stopped since day one trying to get rid of Donald Trump. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, because as we've seen with certain media outlets, the Washington Post, the CNN, they have turned themselves into not just liberal organizations, which they already were, but uh, organs of the resistance, and they are just simply going to oppose uh, this president no matter what. And and I think, yeah, a lot of it just stems from this idea that they don't control the narrative anymore. There used to just be three networks, and CBS, for instance, would, you know, Walter Cronkite would tell you that's the way it is, and they can't do that anymore. And I think that has created a real sense of rage for them that, as you said, you know, how dare you, that how dare you embrace these alternative uh, viewpoints and um, alternative forms of media. And it's, as it's, as we've gotten more and more outlets to express our opinions and, and see alternatives, we've also got more and more rage from the establishment media. You know, what's funny is we also see this on the local level, because there's a, there's a kind of a bit of, um, like, the, there's a nastiness to it which kind of, it reminds you of high school, like when a group of people didn't like someone in high school and if they were the popular ones or if they felt like they had some kind of power, they would make that person's life a living hell. Instead of just, we don't like that person, they can't sit with us, they had to go out of their way to vilify the person and ostracize them. And you see that a little bit with the way that liberals tend to, like you used to be able to go to dinner parties and 
everybody of every political persuasion would be there. But the thing you had in common is you were neighbors or you lived in the same, right. you know, or, or maybe your kids went to the same school or maybe you work for the same company, but you could socialize. Now you can't do that anymore. They, if they find out that, especially me being black, so you're not a liberal, they put you outside the camp and they'll say, you're not welcome at the barbecue anymore. And I always think to myself, was I ever welcome at the barbecue? Because I don't remember barbecuing mm. with you guys, you know? So, but there's, there's a sense that, they try to make you uncomfortable to the point that whether you agree with them or not, just so you can be friends again and everything can be normal, you'll just say, okay, fine. Which leads me to believe that the 90% of blacks who vote for Democrats, there has to be a huge segment of those people who are doing it because they can't not be invited to the barbecue. Their whole family are liberals. They need these people. They need their family. They need their extended family. They need these people that they work with or that they go, they go to school with or that their kids are in a neighborhood. They need them. And politics is not more important than the everyday familial interactions and the community. And so they stay there and vote for the Democrats, even though they may have other ideas. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's, that's a good point. I think it's also a self-repeating phenomenon where, uh, you know, we have uh, – all, all these, uh, we have this division, and then we see in in Hollywood, for instance, uh, more and more division and more and more politics being put into our TV shows, dramas, sitcoms, uh, and so on. And that just further divides people. Conservatives feel further alienated when they have all these uh, television shows and not just the news telling them that there are awful people. And then we wonder why there's there's so much division. It just gets worse and worse, and we get more and more. Uh, divided. I, I I'm I think my concern is that um, for all of the differences that I have with liberals, and they and and there are many and they are substantial. I also recognize that a liberal is still an American citizen, and I would rather, hopefully, you know, that they would still have allegiance to the American flag. That we would be arm in arm and lockstep against a foreign aggressor, but there's no credible foreign aggressor that we really pay attention to. I mean, obviously we, China wants to overthrow our country, but they're also deeply intertwined in us, uh, you know, economically. And so we're just in a place where without that outside threat, Americans are free to just, we're spiraling out of control. And, but I, I'm so glad that you guys do the work that you do over at Newsbusters and keeping track of what the media is doing and helping to keep us informed. That that alternative media you talked about, MRC TV and Newsbusters, huge part of that. Thank you so much for what you do. Scott Whitlock, thank you for joining the show today. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you again soon. We will be back with your calls, 866-963-2037. And more, Stacey on the right. Stay right there. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. While Democrats obstruct the president and advocate for illegals, the Department of Defense is redirecting discretionary spending to fund border wall completion. This is excellent news because of the urgent need to stop 55,000 illegal immigrants from entering America every month. The influx represents a radical change to the very composition of the country. Over a dozen states have huge percentages of non-English speaking residents living and working, replacing American citizens. The burden to taxpayers is daunting. Each illegal alien costs 70,000 per year. That number increases the longer the illegal lives in America. 
In addition to redirecting federal discretionary funds, the president should work with governors to implement a tax on remittances to Mexico. It has already worked in other states and could become a significant source of revenue to offset the costs of housing the enormous population of lawbreakers. If illegal aliens are here to stay, make them pay their own way. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. There was a time where um, I was in the middle of doing something and the Lord just, just really impressed upon my heart that I needed to buy my wife some flowers. I hadn't thought about it, hadn't done it in a while. And I walk into the door of our, our little small apartment and I have the flowers in my hand and my wife's eyes connect with mine. Her eyes just well up with tears. And I immediately start thinking, what's wrong? What happened? What's going on? And uh, she said, Abe, <laughs> I've been wanting some flowers but I know what our financial situation is, and I didn't want to be an additional burden on you because I know things are tight now. And man, it was just a moment where my wife and I just fall more deeply in love with the Lord and more deeply in love with one another. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekday afternoons at 5 Central on Urban Family Talk. By relying on Him. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. Donald Trump's America. The partial government shutdown has now entered its 32nd day and no new negotiations are planned between the president and congressional leaders. Democrats in leadership in both the House and Senate oppose President Trump's latest proposal for legislation that would provide temporary protection for some undocumented immigrants in exchange for billions for a border wall. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said he will bring up the bill this week. The president will need 60 votes in the Senate to move the legislation forward. And so far, no Democrats have said they will support the proposal. Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, is undecided on whether he'll support the president's plan. And another Democrat, Senator Chris Coons of Delaware, said in a statement that there is no reason to have large parts of the federal government shut down while we debate appropriate border security and immigration policies. At the White House, John Decker, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. If Trump's immigration positions are racist, were they racist when you held some of those positions as well? They certainly weren't empathetic and they were not kind. I was callous to the suffering of families who want to be with their loved ones. I just knew I was wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. I was wrong to, to feel that way. I was wrong. I realized that things I had said were wrong. I think it's important to know when you're wrong. That's why I was embarrassed. I hadn't really spent the time to hear those kind of stories. And that was my fault. I was not fighting for other people's kids the same way I was fighting for my own. I recognized I didn't know everything about the whole state. Something that I'm embarrassed about and I'm ashamed of. I came from a district that was 98% white. We have immigrants, but not a lot of immigrants. I really regretted that I didn't look beyond my district. I did not think about suffering in other people's lives. I was not caring about others. When you were uh, uh, representing a district in Congress, you had an A-plus rating from them. Were they in engaged in all of that bad stuff back then? They sure were, and now I have an F rating. Can you understand President Trump's position on immigration since you were no. there? No, I think his positions are racist. Your critics will say it's political opportunism. As is their right. They can say what they like. Yeah, you're right. We can. Uh, that's Kirsten Gillibrand, Gillibrand 2020. Uh, the title of that 
fantastic mashup from the award-winning Washington Free Beacon is my bad. <laughs> She's constantly apologizing for her just what which way is the wind blowing cuz that's where I am. What what's what's racist now? Well, then I'm against it. What's not racist? I'm for it. She doesn't have a view of her own. She couldn't be uh a worse candidate for the presidency. I think she just looks at herself in the mirror and she thinks it's my time and I should be the first female president and um gosh darn it people like me and so she's running and I get it um you know the idea of living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and just having all that power it's got to be pretty intoxicating to think you could actually get there it's also ridiculous because she should never be the president um I dare say the way I feel today and I could change because it's a feeling we should never have another democrat be the president of the United States ever again ever not not with where their party's headed. If if Okami Cortez is their future, then they should never ever hold the office of the presidency again. I mean, they just it's hatred for this country that they're driven by, and I just I can't even understand it. All right, let's go to the phones. We have Lynn in Arkansas. Lynn, thank you for calling the show today. Hi, thank you. Um, yeah, I was going to say when I was young, I went to, uh, I lived in California and I went to a street dance and my girlfriend couldn't go. And so I went by myself. It was in another town and I actually got attacked by this girl and um, she was a friend of a neighbor of mine and I was young and naive and they had, had asked to borrow my vehicle and I actually had let her earlier in the day, and she asked to borrow it again, and I said no, and that's what the whole thing was about. I mean, I would never do that now, but, you know, when you're young and you do, you don't know. I mean, you do stupid things. Mm, yeah. um, but anyway, I didn't know what to do. I, I, you know, like out of nowhere, she just came and attacked me, and... um I ended up going to emergency and stuff. I wasn't severely injured, but um, nowadays I take my, sometimes I leave my phone at home on purpose. Like if I'm going to something to do with a medical thing or something, I leave it at home. And um, anyway, I, I guess, you know, we should just always have our phones there because if we need to record something, we need to have um, proof of something that's mm. going on. Yeah, you're right, because without the video, it's your word against theirs, and the, apparently the media, anything to try to, to paper over their own failures. Um, thanks for sharing that story. I'm, I'm, I hate hearing about that. I hate it when people just lose their minds and they decide they're going to physically attack someone else. I just don't understand that. Um, I understand self-defense. I don't understand that. The, aggress the aggression, the, the person saying, you don't want to do this or that. Now I'm going to physically attack you. I don't get that at all. Uh, Karen in Texas, thanks so much for calling the show today. Hello, this is Karen. I'm calling from Milford. Oh, oh Tennessee. I'm sorry. I thought I saw TX. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine. I enjoy your show, and I just want to I encourage you to keep up the good work. Um, my point I wanted to make was that, um, you know, you don't really hear uh, the positions of people who uh, think differently from liberals except maybe three months before the election. And so since you know 
that the news media is going to publish information a certain way. Why uh, are people on the other side not getting this information through? Out, you know, it, I think it takes several months, several years to help individuals who have been brainwashed to think one way. For instance, um, American Family sends me a monthly magazine. Well, I'm already sold. I don't need that information. It really needs to go to individuals who need another uh, perspective uh, of, of looking at different issues. So you're saying instead of sending the AFA journal to you, send it instead to a likely voter in your area that is on the D side. Uh, yes, ma'am. And those people who are in a particular populace that would probably be more easy to convince if they are given the information. I know there are a lot of people, um, they just don't know the information. They don't know about China. They don't know what's going on in China. They don't know that uh, Muslims are taking over the U.K., the, the U.K., and they don't know cases of the people who have been affected by illegal immigration. They don't see it. Certainly the news media is not going to give it. CNN is not going to give it to them. And so the Republican Party or individuals who are like-minded and thinking cannot wait three months before the election to start educating people. I love, I love your idea. Uh, Karen, I love your idea. So... The people who really need to read the AFA journal, who could actually get something out of it because they've never been exposed to the truth, they're the ones who should be getting it, not people who are actually... Cause you, you, so you get a subscription to the AFA journal if you give uh, to American Family Association any amount, then you're subscribed. I think it's an interesting concept to maybe have people who are fine with giving their subscription to basically donating it to another family or calling in to donate specifically so their their subscription would go to a, a family that they feel like could really use the information, that's worth exploring. That that is something that is uh, unique. I've not I've not heard anyone suggest that before, um, and I I I would like to just share that with um, w- certainly with my boss here um, and see what he thinks about that idea because it's it's certainly. I agree with you. I, I, what I hate is one or two tiny little ads three weeks before the election on radio when we should be bombarding black radio and Hispanic radio with ads all year round. Two years out from the election, we should start talking about the truth and put these Democrats back on their heels so they have to defend their failed positions. Their, their position on immigration has failed. Their position on health care has failed. We should have them defending their positions as opposed to just sitting silently and waiting until the election is almost here before we start to actually speak to these communities. Thank you, Karen, for that idea and for listening to the show. God bless. Um, I, I, ah, that has some merit there. Come on now. You know, good ideas. And so You know how when you heard a good idea, you're like, wait, wait, wait. I like that. I like that idea. So if you like your AFA journal, you would obviously not like you wouldn't be forced to give it up. But anyone who wanted to could maybe give their subscription. I wonder how that would work because I I will sometimes get um, and and it's less prevalent now. But um, I used to have subscriptions to a couple of so they're interior magazines for your house like they have, uh, you know, furniture in them and stuff like that. And I used to have a couple of subscriptions like that. And occasionally, I'd say maybe once a year, I would get a gift magazine from another uh, publisher 
basically trying to entice me to subscribe to their magazine. And what I would do is I would flip through the magazine. And if I really liked it, I would consider replacing one of my subscriptions with it. Or I would see how much is the subscription per year. And maybe I would try it. Um, it didn't happen a lot, but I would get the gift subscriptions every now and again. And I also would get them. I remember this being a thing magazines used to do. If you were already a subscriber, you could just write your friend's address in when you resubscribed and they would send your friend a gift subscription of one or two magazines so they could try it. So maybe they would take a subscription of the same magazine that you had. That's similar to what she's discussing, only she's saying send the information that we need to get out there. Namely, the AFA Journal is packed with fantastic news stories, articles, and relevant information for families um, going along with the mission of American Family Radio and American Family Association. And that is information that I, I think for some people who aren't really as partisan as they might appear, they were to get some information from AFA Journal, which I encourage you, if you're getting it, the fastest way to make something like this happen is to give it to someone that you know is politically misguided. Give them yours. Say, hey, I just I get this magazine every month and I thought you might like it. Or stick it in their mailbox, wrap it with a piece of ribbon, You know, maybe put a pack of six cookies in there that you baked. And stick it in their mailbox and say, hey, I just want you to check out this magazine that I usually get. That's a way to spread the word. Um, but I will ask, I'm going to make myself a quick little note um, to ask my, my boss about whether or not that's something that we've done in the past. One of the things that I also know about American Family Association is been around a long time and they've done some amazing, innovative things. That's how uh, the ministry has grown to be so large and influential. And so this may be something that they've done in the past, but I'll definitely check into it. It's a great idea. Uh, so here's a piece that I'm, I'm sure you won't be shocked. You won't be surprised by this, will you? Um, it looks like Nancy Pelosi has actually charged the United States Air Force nearly $200,000, not yen, but U.S. dollars, so the actual real money, to fly her and her family and other lawmakers to Italy and Ukraine. Now you might be thinking to yourself, because I know when I first saw the little headline, I was like, there's got to be something more to this because that just doesn't make any sense. Well, the story is interesting because the same type of trip was actually taken by, so Codell, first of all, you saw the picture that I posted on Facebook. It said Codell Pelosi. I thought Codell was someone's last name in her party, but Codell means congressional delegation. So anytime a congressman is going on a trip, the name of the trip is congressional delegation and then that congressman's name. So House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's congressional delegation to Belgium, Egypt, and Afghanistan was canceled by President Trump, but she took a trip to Italy and the Ukraine from July 30th to August 6th in 2015. That trip cost the United States Air Force $184,587.81. This information comes from documents released on Saturday under a 2015 FOIA request. That lawsuit and request was initiated by Judicial Watch. Her delegation at that point in 2015 was made up of other Democratic members of Congress, including California Representative Anna Eshoo. After token Republican Wisconsin Representative Jim Sessenbrenner pulled out at the last minute, four of Nancy Pelosi's family members, including her husband, Paul, were slated to go on the trip. The delegation was scheduled to dine at restaurants, including James Beard American Restaurant in Milan, where a five-course meal costs up to $190 per person. And 
The lawmakers also toured the Vatican, met up with Italian dignitaries, including President Sergio Mattarella and then Prime Minister Matteo Renzi. Pelosi's team apparently had some pretty specific requests for Air Force officials working with them to coordinate the trip. She requested that the crew they had on the earlier trip from 2015 would be their crew for this trip because they were pleased with their service. An unidentified Air Force official said that the chances were slim. Overall, the European excursion for Pelosi's congressional delegation cost the Air Force about the same amount of money it would take to send a student to Harvard University for four years. Judicial Watch compared the trip to Republican Colorado Senator Cory Gardner's congressional delegation with multiple stops in East Asia, which was taken in 2015, the same year that Nancy Pelosi went last. The trip led by Gardner, a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, cost $26,009.03. Though That number comes from records obtained by Judicial Watch. So Judicial Watch has called Nancy Pelosi out for her perks and abuses of power since 19 or since 2009 since the year 2009 they actually issued a statement in uh, january of 2016 here's the quote beginning in 2009 after the media failed to follow up on concerns raised about nancy pelosi's use of luxury air force jets to travel between her codel and dc judicial watches freedom of information act requests exposed her abuse of this travel perk Judicial Watch uncovered that Pelosi's military travel cost the United States Air Force $2,100,744.59 over one two-year period, 101000 of which was for in-flight expenses, including food and alcohol. I repeat, Nancy Pelosi, who's currently the new Speaker of the House again, spent $2 million over a two-year period flying around on Air Force jets and drinking alcohol. But we're all worried about $5 billion for the wall. All right. That's the show for today. God bless you from the heartland. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.